Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Again, if you've not had the opportunity yet, when, uh, when you came in the main section of, of the uh, building here, we have a, a new wall, and that wall has a number of churches that we have been a part of uh, helping get started over the years. And some of those churches, we, we help by supporting the pastor and helping with their seminary work. Other churches, we've, we've paid for the, the structure that they're in, but it just kind of marks the years and the individuals and places that we've had an opportunity to make an impact. And, you know, Lord willing, we're, we're not done yet. Uh, he'll continue continue to use this body of Christ to reach beyond ourselves. And the, the fact of the matter is, uh, we have been created by God for God for a great purpose. And, and that purpose is to enjoy his grace and to spread his glory all over this world. That, that, is, that is what we call in church, we call this mission. That's our, our mission, to spread this glory, to spread his fame. And mission is not just like this program that we do in the church. It's the purpose of, of, our, of our lives. It's why we exist. That's why we are here. And so today, as we, we talk about missions, I, I just want you to know that if you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet, uh, you get an inside look. You get to understand why we would have a, a big sign on the wall as you walk in uh, to love the world. Why would we love the world? We, you get to see why we would take this good news and, and we would spread it. Maybe if you've been uh, somebody who's been resistant to Christianity or to the church, you would say, I really don't understand why you all have to go tell everybody how they should believe. I don't like it when you proselytize, when, when you tell people uh, they need to believe in Jesus. Well, today you're going to see why. We have to do that kind of thing. And I would say, if you've had pushback against the church or Christianity, this is what you want to see. You, you would want to see a, a body of believers who aren't about them. Because most likely, you're probably thinking, well, church is all about you know, themselves. They want to put up big buildings and, and just make the buildings bigger and everybody's kind of greedy. You don't want that. You want to find a group of people who are thinking beyond themselves, who aren't just trying to hoard. You want to find a group of people who are sold out to what God has said for us to be about and to be generous with their finances, to be generous and giving to others. So you're going to get an inside look today about why we do that kind of thing. And, and if you are a Christian, uh, today is going to be scripturally foundational. We're going to come back to this place of being able to say, well, why, why again do we say we love the world? Why, why do we do that? Why do we invest heavily in, in missions right here and around the globe? Why do we do that? Uh, and if, if you grew up in certain denominations, today you're going to have the opportunity to do sword drills. I don't know if you uh, know what sword drills are, but you're going to be able to turn in your Bible to a whole bunch of different verses. Because today, I'm going to read more Bible verses than any sermon I've done in over a decade. All right? So don't, people already walked out. Don't walk out. I mean, like, uh, hopefully you love God's word. Because if you walk out and you're like, that preacher, he uses the Bible a lot. 
Guilty. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll take it. Here's the deal. From the very, very, very beginning of the Bible, we see this trajectory in which God wants to, to give away his grace and make his glory known across the entire world. And, and he starts in this trajectory and he uses the nation of Israel, but not just for Israel's sake, but to use Israel for the world, for every single nation so that this good news of the gospel would be spread and God would be glorified. Now, when I talk about the gospel, what I'm talking about is the fact that you don't have to be held to your sin anymore. When I talk about the gospel, I'm saying you don't have to go to hell. I'm saying your sins can be forgiven. All of us are separated from God by sin, but God in his love and his mercy sent his son, Jesus Christ, who is God, fully God, fully man, born of a virgin, lives a perfect life, went to the cross for all of your junk, all of my junk, all of our sin, bore all of that upon himself, bled and died and paid the price that we couldn't pay. He died on the cross. Then he was buried in the grave. And then he rose again from the dead on the third day. And we celebrate that at Easter, that he's alive. And then he ascended into heaven where he sits right now, alive. And when he got to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit is here now to remind us, to bear witness to the fact that Jesus Christ is God to the glory of the Father. And so we might know him and experience salvation. That's good news. This is for God's glory that we enjoy his grace. That's been his plan, that he would take every nation, people represent from every nation. That's been his plan in history past, his plan right now in the present, and his plan marching on into the future until Jesus Christ comes back and establishes his kingdom right here on earth. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But this is the plan that God would make himself known to his people and that he would receive glory now, a lot of times when we start talking about missions and you get to church and they're going to have missions month or missions week, you, you turn to a particular passage in the Bible and, and you go to the Great Commission. Does anybody know where we turn in the Bible to get to the Great Commission? The book of Matthew chapter 28. Yes. Yeah, so we would go to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, and, and we would start at that point and say, well, this is what the church is about. But mission began before that. So as you're turning to Matthew, don't get to Matthew 28. Stop at Matthew 23. Because I want to show you something in Matthew 23. The mission has been embedded in Scripture from the very, very beginning. And it was understood, not just by Christians, it was understood by the Jewish nation as well. I want to show you something in Matthew 23, 15, something that I've missed for years. I'm like, well, how did I miss this? Check this out. Jesus is speaking. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. That means a convert. And when he becomes a proselyte or a convert, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. So here's, here's what I missed. The Pharisees, they were on mission. Now they were doing it wrong, but they were on mission. They were making converts. Why were they doing this? Well, they, they didn't have the New Testament. We read about them in the New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. But they're going and they're making converts because they understood God's words from the very beginning. Mission didn't start when Jesus shows up on the scene and says, hey, y'all, that's Southern Jesus. Hey, I, I, want you to, I want you to go and make disciples. It didn't start then. It began well, well before that. Missions began in the very beginning with the very first two people. 
Adam and Eve. So now we're going to go back to the beginning. Genesis. So uh, grab your Bible, start turning back to Genesis, or, or scroll down on your screen, whatever you got today, and we're going to be moving from left to right today, all right? So Genesis, God is on mission. Check this out. So God makes Adam and Eve, and he makes them in his own what? Image. He made mankind in his image. Doesn't mean we're God. Far from it. We are created. He is the creator. But he made us bearing his image. And then it says this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So Adam and Eve are appointed to a mission to multiply. That they are image bearers. And God says, I want you to spread my image everywhere. Because I'm intent, God would say, on getting glory all over this globe through nations. This was not about Adam and Eve and them individually. This is about what they would begin to create with culture, cultivating, just pointing to the creator. That's why they were called. I want you to go. I want you to spread my image everywhere, God would say, so that I may be glorified. But before that actually took place, Adam and Eve blew it. They sinned. They fell short. We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. But when they sinned, they tarnished the image of God to some degree. And yet even in the tarnishment of of that image, God will get glory. And he will continue to allow his image to spread and the good news of who he is to bear fruit. He will get glory even from the fall. And it's going to happen through all nations. So, So here, Adam and Eve, they had children. They had children who had children who had children, and eventually nations were started. And out of one of those nations, God looks and he chooses someone. He chooses a guy by the name of Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. And he's going to make a covenant with Abraham. But the covenant is even part of the mission. Check this out, Genesis 12 verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, that was his name before Abraham. He said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I'll show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. So God intends to bless all nations through a nation that he's going to create from Abraham. And from Abraham, eventually we know now on this side of the cross that Jesus Christ would come through this lineage, that Jesus Christ would come and fulfill what had been intended. The, the, the mission, the mission wasn't just for Abraham. The mission isn't just for the Jewish people. Gentiles were not an afterthought in this. No, no. God wanted to bless the Jewish people. He wanted a blessing of God to them so that through them, they would then bless all nations. So Abraham is blessed. He's beginning to create this nation, but that started with children. So Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had Joseph and Joseph. uh, He ends up in Egypt and God's people who are continuing to expand are are set or they're in bondage, but they are able to escape this famine that's going to happen. But the nation kept growing in Egypt. And so the Pharaoh at that time said, well, we got to get these people under control. And so they began to enslave them. But even in a moment where we find God's chosen people, the people that he's got this plan for, and they're in the midst of stress and trial and difficulty, much like you've been in your own life, it's not as if God was looking away. 
All of this was part of God's plan for his mission to extend his grace and for him to be glorified. The, the, the fact of the plagues, the plagues aren't just simply there so that we could see them delivered. There is something that goes beyond this. And so if you look at Genesis or Exodus, rather Exodus chapter nine, God is speaking to Pharaoh. Okay. There's a purpose in the plagues. God says this to Pharaoh, for by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose, I've raised you up. And probably in Pharaoh's mind, he's like, well, I know my purpose. My purpose is to rule all these nations. I'm a, I'm a big shot. People are worshiping me like I'm God. And God's like, no, different purpose. To show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. All the earth. So the purpose of the plagues wasn't just simply that God's people would be delivered and freed. His purpose was that his name would be seen as great, that it would be proclaimed all over the earth. All right, let's keep turning to the right. You get to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, just an exposition of the covenant that God had made with Abraham. Even here, what we find is that God is on a mission in a book like Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 9, he's saying, I want you as my chosen people to obey my commands. And then it says, and all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. I have I've chosen you out and I want you to obey me because as you obey me, everybody else in other nations, they're going to look and they're going to say, oh, there's a God. There's a God in heaven. Keep moving forward. Keep turning to the right. First Samuel, first Samuel chapter 17. We, we get to this guy named David and, and David is squaring off against Goliath in the valley. Even in this, there is mission involved. David and Goliath are squaring off. We find this in 1 Samuel 17, verse 46. David says, this day, to the giant, he says, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. So if you're looking for a bedtime story tonight, this is a good one. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. This isn't just about, you know, little guy beating up big guy and woohoo. No, no. This is so that centuries later, people would be gathering around like, how does something like that happen? Well, you know, it has to happen because there is a God in heaven. Eventually, David, he goes on to become king. They had the Ark of the Covenant at one point. It's this holy relic that they had and got carried off. But then eventually that holy relic, the Ark of the Covenant, comes back. And everybody's just really jazzed and excited about it. And we find this in 1 Chronicles. Turn to the right. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 31. David has this song of thanks. He says, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. This isn't just about Israel. Woohoo! We got the Ark of the Covenant back. No, God, this is about you. And it's not just our joy. It is the joy of all the nations to know that you, God, are at work. David has a son. His name's Solomon. Eventually, Solomon builds a sanctuary, a temple to God. And at the dedication of that temple, we read this, 2 Chronicles. So next book, 2 Chronicles chapter 6. I miss the good old days when we had pages and you could hear. I I don't know when you're swiping up uh, on your phone or your iPad. I have no idea. All right. So 2 Chronicles 6. Uh, I heard some pages. That's good. All right. Verse 32. Solomon prays at the temple. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not your people Israel 
Come from a far country for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays toward this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. So even the temple, even this thing to which the Jewish people would look, and that's their identity, that's the place in which they meet God, they realize that there would be foreigners, that the intention is that other people would come to know this one true God. When they would get together and they would sing songs as a congregation, their songs were about mission. Turn to the book of Psalms. Now, as you're turning to Psalms, don't go very far. Just get to Psalm chapter 2. Psalm 2, verse 7 and 8. This is what they sang. I don't know the tune, and I'm not going to try to sing a tune to you, but make up your own tune. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. This is speaking prophetically of Jesus who would come. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Psalm 22, verse 27. Psalm 22 says this, all the ends of the earth, shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Song number 46 in your hymnal. Song 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So they're getting together as the Jewish people and they're singing about the mission of God that is not just about them. It's about every single nation, all peoples all over the place. You get to the, the prophets, you get to the major prophets. If you would turn to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter three, he's prophesying that God is going to rule from Jerusalem and all nations will be there. He says this, Jeremiah three seventeen, and many peoples, all right? This is different groups. This isn't just Israel. All peoples, many peoples shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Verse four, actually, verse four says the nations at that point, they're going to beat their swords into plowshares. So like in all these nations now, peace is reigning and God is receiving more glory. You get down to Jeremiah 16, 19. We find this, O Lord, my strength, 16, 19. O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble. To you shall the nations come from the ends of the earth and say, our fathers have inherited nothing but lies, worthless things in which there is no profit. Keep turning to the right. You get to Micah. Micah is a contemporary of Jeremiah. He's going to say something very similar. He says this in Micah 4, 2, and many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Zechariah, minor prophet, Zechariah chapter two, and many nations, verse 11, and many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst, God says, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Again, over and over and over. Many nations, 
all the earth, all peoples. I have skipped over a ton of verses, but God wants to bless all nations, never just about Israel, not just a New Testament, hey, church, go out and do this mission thing. It has been the intention of God that all peoples all over this globe would come to know him. The last book in the Old Testament, you can turn to Malachi, Malachi chapter one, verse 11. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? I mean, just all over the place. From the very beginning in Genesis all the way through, if you would look through with the lens of God is on the move and he is intent on getting glory and changing lives and people seeing him for who he truly is. Even in the narratives, like I skipped over a bunch of narratives. Like we, we talked about David and Goliath. Think about somebody like Daniel in Daniel chapter six. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? Those of us who grew up with flannel graph and you know, Daniel's there, you got the lions there and their mouths were shut by the angel of the Lord. You might be tempted to think, okay, all right, kids, what do we learn about Daniel? Oh, well, we should be, you know, we should face fear. Great. What else do we learn? Well, we should, we should pray to God. It's more than that. You, you would miss it if you don't get to the end of what happened to Daniel. Why would God take somebody who's doing the right thing and praying to him and being faithful and then throw him in a den of lions? Why would that happen? Watch what happens. Verse 25 of Daniel 6, the king, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. So he's in charge of a bunch. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. Right? As a result of being delivered from the den of lions, this pagan king tells everybody, look to this God. This is the one true God. This is the God who is able to deliver, even when it looks like it's grim. This God is in charge. Let's worship him. God blessed Daniel in unusual ways to reveal his glory to the earth. All those nations get this decree. Worship that God. We keep flipping to the right, and then we eventually here, we get to the New Testament. You get to the New Testament, and when we read it, we think, well, you know, all, all of mission began with the New Testament. No, 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 no. It's been intended since the beginning, all the way into the Old Testament. And so uh, you, you get Jesus who's entering the scene. And even when Jesus enters the scene, as he's born of this virgin, remember we read about how the, the magi come. They come from the east. They're Gentiles. They're not Jewish. And they came to worship this king. Some, somehow God had revealed to them that this king is coming. And it's not just for the Jewish people. In fact, it says in the Bible, it says when they show up, where is he born king of the Jews? But actually, if you look at that, it should be read, where is the Jewish king? He's not just king of the Jews. When the Magi showed up, they realized he's a Jewish king overall. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus is brought before Simeon in the temple. And this is what Simeon prophesies in Luke 2 verse 32. He says of Jesus, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Remember, we even said within the temple, 
that it wasn't just for the Jewish people, it was for uh, all the nations. Watch what happens in Mark chapter 11. Remember when Jesus comes in and and he sees people and they're selling there and he gets really upset and he overthrows the tables and the money is flying everywhere. He gets like this, this, this whip and he's just like, get out, you're doing this wrong. He has all this strong zeal. This is what we read in Mark 11, 17. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. It's not just simply that they're in there exchanging money, making this profit off these individuals. They have set up their tables and their booths in the court of Gentiles. They're getting in the way of why Jesus came because he wants all nations to know. And so he's upset. This is in line with the Old Testament. We get to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, Jesus is going to be going to the cross soon. The disciples want to know, okay, what's it going to look like? When are we going to know, like, you're going to set up your kingdom, and we're going to rule, and we're going to reign. What does this look like? Verse 14 of Matthew 24, and this gospel, Jesus says, remember the good news, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now we get to the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus has died on the cross, buried, rose again. And he says this, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Well, that's not new. God's been saying that from the beginning. This is what God has been about since the very start. Jesus goes on baptizing them. That's new. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them. That's new. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And I am with you always to the end of the age. All nations. That's the call. That's the plan all along. In fact, also within this uh, conversation that he's going to have with his disciples before he ascends into heaven, Acts 1 verse 8, he says to them, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the very ends of the earth because that has been my father's intention all along. The purpose of the Holy Spirit's filling in us is, yes, to gift us, to bless one another, but to take that power of the Holy Spirit and spread this good news around the globe. It's not just for us. One more verse. Romans chapter 10, last verse. So those of you that are tired of turning in your Bible or scrolling, this is it. Romans, Romans 10, the purpose of your salvation is to assist in spreading the gospel. Watch this. Romans 10 verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank God, right? If you haven't yet called on the name of the Lord to be saved this moment, you could call on the name of the Lord and you could be saved. Like you, you could call out to God. Like I know I'm a sinner. I need a savior. You're that savior. I want to call out to you. You be my Lord. You be my savior. At this very moment, you'd be saved because this is what God is about, that we would experience his grace and that he would receive glory. It goes on. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach? Unless they're sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now we're going to expand on this idea as we move forward. 
We've, we've just laid the scriptural groundwork and we've covered a lot of ground. But the call for you and I is that we would take this good news, this grace of God, so that God would be glorified around the globe. It was never just simply meant for the nation of Israel. It was never just simply meant that it would come to one church and then end there. You and I are not a cul-de-sac of the gospel. It wasn't just that you and I would hear this good news and we'd be like, wow, great, I'm going to heaven. It would be so that you would embrace this good news, not just simply for you, and yes, it's fantastic that you're going to heaven, but that you and I would begin to take this good news and spread it everywhere, at our jobs, in our schools, around the globe, in Brazil, in India, that God's fame and glory would grow, that his kingdom would expand, that heaven would be more crowded as he continues to call out people for himself as we share this good news. It was never meant just for like one church. It's meant for all churches and it's meant for all believers. It's never been just about us here right now in this moment. It has always been the larger picture of what God wants to do so that he would continue to make for himself a people. You can't read through this book and not see that it is God's intention that he would receive glory and praise and that there would be worshipers in heaven from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. In fact, this is what it says. I told you I was done. I found another verse. Revelation. You don't have to turn here. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, okay? This is where we're going. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation. He did it. From all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that's Jesus, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All nations. And we get to be a part of that. Let's pray. Lord, uh, that you would allow us to be uh, a part of what you're doing, that's humbling. That you would entrust us with something as priceless as the gospel. Not so that we could keep it to ourselves, but that we would just kind of throw open the lid of that treasure and say, it's yours for the taking. Salvation is yours and it's found in Christ. Father, don't stop with us. Continue to use us as a body of believers that we might continue to extend and expand what you're doing all around this globe, right here. Don't, don't let us just stop right here. Let it continue to spread so that once we get into heaven, we just look around and we're like, he did it. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, God is receiving praise and glory to the lamb who is alive. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.